The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Welcome to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. I'm your host, and I will be here for the next hour talking about anything related to firearms. Each week, we'll have guests on to share their unique experience within the firearms industry and the shooting sports. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Zev Nadler. Hello, everybody, and uh, Kelly, thank you for having me again. Um, For those of you who have been listening to the show uh, in the past uh, six episodes before this one, our seventh, you've known that it's basically gone pretty smooth, but the last show, we had a bunch of technical difficulties, um, which resulted in having the radio station come by, um, the IT company that Kelly actually uses for the firm, uh, guys, you know, who have dozens of years of experience between them, and myself, who has about, you know, 35 years of IT experience, and none of us could figure out why his desktop wasn't playing well with Skype, which is what we use as a way to deliver uh, this broadcast. And uh, Kelly came back from uh, a business trip on Wednesday night and Thursday morning. He came in and took Skype off his computer and reinstalled it and it fixed the problem. And, and I got to laugh because we had all these guys, you know, trying to come in and spending hours and hours on myself and nobody thought about doing that. So we're glad we got a second set of eyes on it and a uh, out-of-the-box thinker. Thank you, Kelly, for fixing that. Well, I think we're going to have a great show today. And one of the, the coolest things about today's show is our first guest is is someone that I call a friend. We met through business, but we've become friends and, and we see each other from time to time just socially. And and I really enjoy his company. Uh, I love his family. And uh, I just like spending time with him. And I think you will too. So I'm going to introduce Lynn Backus from longrangehunting.com. So let's start off with um, talk a little bit about you personally, what your background is. I know that you didn't make a living in the firearms industry your whole life like I have, but um, something um, allowed you to to follow a passion. So let's share that with our listeners. Well, I, I think you're probably referring to some of my earlier business uh, experience. I've been a, a business owner since I was practically a kid. I... Uh, Operated, developed and operated a 25-unit restaurant chain in the 70s. And in the late 80s and 90s, I created and operated a luxury home building business, which became the highest volume luxury home builder in the state of Wisconsin. And I retired from that in, uh, well, about 10 years ago. Uh, And about six months into my retirement... I realized I was looking for a new challenge. I had started longrangehunting.com in 2001, and at this point then the website was about uh, 
five or six years old, and I took my hobby website and made it into a new business. But uh, I guess I'm glossing over or skipping over the reason for the uh, creation of the website, and that took place in 2001. I had uh, been a hunter on and off all my life since my teenage days. I took off about 20 years of hunting time during my earlier careers in a couple of different businesses. And when I got back into it, I was uh, hunting on my own land in Wisconsin, white-tailed deer. I was an avid bow hunter. And each season that I hunted my stands that I had set up around my, my marsh, which was the uh, sanctuary for my deer, it was an 80-acre portion of the larger portion, and I considered it to be the sanctuary where I wouldn't go in there any time during the season. I would hunt just the perimeter. Well, in sitting on 20-foot high archery stands overlooking this 80-acre marsh, I would try to be smarter than the bucks that were bedding in there, and I was always not smart enough. I could see them sometimes getting up out of their bed, standing up out of their bed at five, 600 yards out, and then I would try to figure out which route they were going to take out of the marsh at the evening magic time, and I was almost always wrong. Well, after a couple of years of that, I thought to myself, if I could shoot a rifle longer during the rifle season... If I could become proficient enough with a rifle to responsibly kill things at five or 600 yards, I had a pretty good setup. And I started teaching myself how to become a long-range hunter. That was a lot more difficult nearly 20 years ago than it is today. Uh, you had to rely on print magazines, many of them from the library, books from the library, some that I owned, and talking with other people. And it was pretty difficult. Today, it's quite easy. Uh, well, I agree with you on that, Lynn. Uh, 15 to 20 years ago, it was still considered by the largest portion of the hunting population to be unethical to shoot animals at that distance. And so nobody was talking about it. They weren't writing a lot of articles about it, and they weren't writing books. And, and nobody was sharing their experience with it because they just got bad mouth so bad. Exactly. In fact, I killed my first long-range deer at 459 yards, and uh, I was pretty enthused about my new strategy, and uh, I tried to share it on a couple of existing websites back then that I did not own, and I was just totally hammered by people saying that was unethical, etc. And uh, after a year or two of that, experience, I just decided that I had to start my own website in order to have sort of a sanctuary where long-range enthusiasts and those who wanted to learn how to do it could intelligently discuss the, the techniques and learn and share their experiences and not be hammered by the naysayers. And that's how longrangehunting.com was formed back in spring of 2001. You know, that's a long time ago, and that's definitely on the cutting edge of this um, long-range hunting movement. 
Um, I know I met uh, Bob Beck back in 2008, I think it was, and when he was just formulating his uh, idea about how to do a television show. And I know I'm not sure exactly how long Gunworks has been uh, on television and how long they've been doing what they do, but it hasn't been much longer than 2001 if it was at all. So uh, I really appreciate the fact that you were really out there trying to change the way people think and and have been very successful. And obviously it's work, Len, because I heard that you hit the 100,000 person mark uh, just recently. So. You know, that's quite a sanctuary and quite a community where uh, you've been able to take the naysayers and make them uh, uh, protagonists. Well, thank you. Thank you. As a matter of fact, we hit the 100,000 registered member uh, number just last week, and I was looking at my, my records in preparation for our chat today, and I noticed that back in 2007, after my uh, retirement, I had 9,000 members at that time, six years into my hobby venture. And so it took uh, a while to get to 100,000 registered members. And altogether, we have roughly 300,000 different visitors come to the website per month from all over the world, although 90% of the, the traffic is from the United States. Well, that's an incredible story. And... I'm I'm really proud of you because we know that it's not easy. People think they have this feeling that, man, if I could just find something to sell, I could sell millions of them on the Internet. And your website actually started out as a forum. Is that correct? Yeah, it's still a forum, and it, and it has a, a magazine structure to it as well in the last 10 years. But I think the biggest change from the beginning till now is your online store. Yes. And that's something that is more difficult than people think. I'm here to tell you, I know because in the last three years I've put on a, a, a an online store and I have a guy full-time, that's his exclusive job to run that store and to make it successful. And it's not the easiest thing there is to do. And it's still it's still a, a tough job for us. It's it's a labor of love, and it, it's certainly worthwhile financially. But you're right; it's it's much more difficult than people think. The, the costs of operating something like it uh, are greater than one would think, and it takes uh, quite a few man hours per day to make it function properly. I have. Uh, Three family members that work with me. My wife just does a great job at uh, the bookkeeping and some of those administrative things. My son, Christopher, who's never had any interest in hunting or shooting, is, in fact, his main interest aside from work is music, and he's in a couple of garage bands, I guess you would call them, and, and he's a very skilled musician, studied music in school, and... Uh, he is our our, uh, our magazine editor, I would say, and he also is in charge of fulfillment for our store products. And my son, Andy, who is an avid hunter, uh, manages the store, and he's also very involved with me uh, in selecting article topics to... to uh, hand off to writers 
and also involved in our Western hunting together and in the cooperative venture that we have with non-typical, non-typical outfitters in Wyoming where we bring groups of uh, long-range hunting members out for group hunts and we bring separate groups of long-range members out for shooting classes in the wilderness of the mountains in western Wyoming. Yeah, that's exciting, and it's it's kind of like a full circle uh, customer experience for you or member experience, where not only can they talk with their uh, their peers and the people that they share such a passion for uh, the long range hunting, they trust the people who run the forum, the store, and the outfitting portion of it because they I. I I know because I do, they get the sense that you're really one of them. You're not just, you didn't just start this just because you thought it was a good way to make money. Uh, You're really passionate about it and you share these experiences with them. And I think that means a lot to the members. Well, I think you're right, Kelly. And there's no way that I would have stuck with this for all these years if it hadn't been a passion because it's something that's been part of my life every single day, most hours of, of daylight every day for the last 16 years, and uh, it's just been fun. Andy and I especially just feel we're living the dream these days to be involved at this high level in the shooting and hunting industry, uh, meeting people like yourself and, and others like Bob Beck and Aaron Davidson and Frank Galley and just uh, a whole bunch of good people out there along with the, the members that we rub shoulders with literally out in the field and uh, figuratively on the Internet through forum discussions and email exchanges and uh, telephone calls from time to time, too. It's, it's just been a, a hoot for me, just quite a dream. And, Len, I know that you're uh, a big proponent of staying in shape for the hunt and preparing for the hunt and uh, tell us a little bit about your backpacking, uh, where you go, what you do, and, and how that works in with your hunting. Sure, Zeb. Well, first of all, the the uh, reason for my backpacking uh, and hiking was really a kind of a health and conditioning reason. I've had arthritic knees for many years. I'm 71 years old and in very good health, but my knees have been an issue for decades. And a few years ago, I realized that I wasn't able to be as aggressive out in the mountains as I wanted to and go as far for as long and frequently. So I got into uh, a hiking-type training program back at home, and for the last three years, I've been working more and more on that. And I found that my knee's discomfort from the arthritis improved almost miraculously. And uh, long story short... I got back into backpacking, which I had done in my youth, uh, as an offshoot of the the hiking that I was doing. And the last couple of years, I've been backpacking in the mountains. This year, I have uh, eight, I think it was seven, but my wife doesn't know it's now eight backpack trips planned for this year. You sound like me with the amount of guns I own and and what they cost. (laughs) But but you never have enough guns, do you? And, and I this never is have true. enough. And I never have enough backpacking trips. <laughs> the story so, yeah. is, you you never have too many guns. You just don't have enough safes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So this year I'll be 
uh, hiking about 200 miles total in the mountains, gaining about 30,000 feet of elevation on my eight trips, and just having an absolute ball. Well, more power to you, Lynn, because um, variety makes the world go round. That wouldn't be something that I would put high on my list to do. Uh, the hiking and the hard work portion of hunting is just a necessary evil as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm willing to put the time and the effort in so that when I get there, I can accomplish my my goal, and that is to be able to hunt an animal in their environment and be able to, to do that. Uh, doing it for fun just never occurred to me. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend who's an outfitter, and uh, his hunts are all on horseback, and he actually accompanied me on well, let's see, was it, I guess, just one of my backpack trips last year and uh, really enjoyed it. Normally, he would do that kind of a thing on horseback. And when he got back home and and uh, exclaimed to his wife what a wonderful experience it was on foot, and he wondered if she would like to do that with him sometime up in the Teton Mountains. And she said, why would I want to do that when I have horses? <laughs> Exactly. You know, I took a, I, I hunted with uh, Star Valley Outfitters uh, up sure, in Wyoming sure. last year. Yep. Uh, Bob Beck, uh, his, his new uh, outfit. So. Oh yes, sure. I knew it was a, a horseback hunt, and I knew I had never ridden a horse. And my goal for an entire year was to go out and get four or five riding lessons, and and actually do some riding so that I I wouldn't get so sore. But I will tell you, you know, as with everything else, I just never got around to it. So I showed up at camp, and I will tell you, those guides were not uh, horseback riding instructors. When I told them I'd never rode a horse before, they looked at me like, what are you doing here? And I said, well, you know, I'm pretty athletic, and I think I can probably figure it out, you know, as long as you don't let me get myself in trouble. Long story short. I don't even know how to cinch up a horse, and at some point in a, a really steep uh, downhill climb, my saddle slid up on my horse's shoulders, and the guide yells at me, you know, pull the reins, turn him sideways to the hill so you can get off. Well, when I pulled on the <laughs> reins, it made the horse mad, and he put he just flung his head down, and as he did, I went right over his head on my head. Fortunately, the ground was soft, and I didn't get hurt. But it was one of those situations where, you know, a few inches here or there, I could have landed on a rock or a log, could have been very serious. And, and that was just simply because I didn't know enough to, to check my cinch after having gotten off and take a little break or something. So uh, yeah. it, when I go back, I'll be a better horseman than I was the first time around, that's for sure. Well, I've always liked the idea of horseback riding, but my knees would always complain. And I, I do... So much better now uh, that I'm in condition for it. But to me, a horse is more a means of covering some of the most rugged stuff with uh, greater speed and in a way that gives you more energy to get off on your feet and do the stalk once you get there. But those horseback rides are still uncomfortable for me after, after an hour or so. Those are exactly how they use the horses. There are some steep uh, climbs that had you had to make them on foot. By the time you got to where the, the elk or the deer were, you would have no energy to actually put on any kind of stock. So that that's how that outfitter uses horses. Um, but I wanted to commend you on two things that I think is fantastic. Uh, 
I've been involved in a family business my whole life. Uh, I started working uh, for my father in 1975, just two years after he started the stock company. Um, and throughout my 40-some years in the stock company, all of my children and, and several of my grandchildren have worked for me. So it's been a great experience. Uh, you know, sometimes it's tough. You know, dealing with family isn't always like dealing with employees. Uh, sometimes you you think better about saying something that you might not give a second thought to, to if it was just an employee. But for the most part, it's been part of uh, owning this business that has been a real pleasure for me. Uh, and so that's one. And the other is that you're a true entrepreneur. Uh, I've owned eight businesses. And fortunately for me, the stock company has always been successful enough that it allowed me to do other things that I wanted to do, create businesses that if they weren't successful, and not all of them were, it didn't send me to the poorhouse. So that's been my uh, luck of having a, a good business that I could afford to to follow some of my ideas and like owning a health club. You know, I found out really early in, in that career how to make a small fortune in the gym business. You know how that is? You start with you start with a large fortune. <laughs> I I knew something like that was coming. I knew it. <laughs> that's funny. Well, but yes. You, uh, you two share that and and that's that's really important. Sure. Sure. I agree. What drives you to to do different things? What drives me to do different things? I don't know. Uh, when I was 12 years old, I was selling my mother's green beans from our backyard garden door to door, and I had a paper route, and I shoveled snow. I worked, uh, well, back then, you know, everybody worked at younger ages, and and it, it wasn't as unusual. But the, the bet for the business part of it, uh, I guess it's always been there, and, and the interest in marketing, which was an important part of my success in the restaurant business and in the home building business. And even in the, the website business, the, the marketing has been critical. Uh, and it's kind of interesting, Kelly, and you've probably experienced this yourself too. By the time everybody says, boy, it would be a good thing to be in the restaurant business, or boy, it looks like everybody's making money in the rifle stock business, or boy, it looks like everybody's making money in the Internet business. By the time everybody's saying that, it's it's too late for others to get in. Hey, Len, you know, as is usually the case, uh, Kelly and I enjoy our guests so much that uh, sometimes we get a little short time. But I wanted to get your take on the exploding extreme long range uh, sport and, and how you're involved. And give us a little of your thoughts on that. Well, Kelly probably is as knowledgeable about that as I, since I know that he was uh, at a an, an ELR, or extreme long range, uh, uh, event at SHOT Show just recently, but ELR is talking about shooting way, way out there, well beyond a 1,000 yards. In fact, the interest in that has been out there for some time, but the organization of it is probably in its infancy. About five years ago on my website, uh, we developed a sub-forum specifically for ELR, extreme or extended long range and that's getting more and more traction every year and it's just incredible what's happening with the ability to shoot at steel targets at a mile mile and a half two miles two and a half miles three miles it's it's just amazing and, and we're 
Yeah, we're right. glad that you're that you're on board with that and that you you created that subform. As, as you said, Kelly actually hosted the 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 opening meeting of the ELR folks uh, at yeah. his booth at Shot Show, and then we went up to Night Force's uh, meeting room and continued on there. We've had some really interesting people. Uh, you know, the folks that are spearheading it are guys like Paul Phillips, who worked with the King of the Two Mile team that won, which was the Applied Ballistics team, I believe. Uh, Brian yeah. Litz. Yes, it was. Yeah. And, uh, and Mitchell Fitz, Fitzpatrick. And uh, there's just a lot of talk going on about it and a lot of uh, decisions being made on how to make it a better, tighter, uh, more interesting event that's sanctioned. So. Well, well, just I- like with the website in general, you were on the cutting edge of that because um, you have some members, and, and I check in fairly regularly, and I see um, posts about, different type of bullets that are being made and you can feel free to mention any of your members and any of the the uh, companies that get a lot of talk on your show and I think it would be interesting to our listeners to to hear who contributes to your forum so that they know that it's the real deal and not just a bunch of wannabes. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Brian Litt's name uh, was mentioned uh, by one of you just minutes ago. He and some of his his team members are uh members and participants in our forum, and that's a huge resource for our community. Uh, the Burger Bullets Company has been real involved in uh, uh, the technology of ballistic coefficients and uh, better accuracy and longer range and expansion and bullets and so forth, and they're an important part of, of that whole thing, too. Uh, it, it's just a, a large number of uh, companies and participants who are making things move in that regard. Well, I, the first time I ever heard of cut, Cutting Edge Bullets was on your forum. And sure, now sure. That, that's that's kind of, uh, you know, along with Berger, one of the go-to long-range bullet uh, companies. Exactly. And uh, those people are directly involved in the ELR, really good people, um, Schmitzko. And I think that uh, they're actually, they embrace what we try to promote from the ELR, and that is we're trying to find out, we're trying to establish the science of what it takes to shoot extreme long range. And in order to do that, we have to be able to share. Now, I'm not telling the bullet makers to share how they come up with their dynamics and, and what that is because it, you know, it, it's part of their business model to be on the cutting edge, so to speak, no pun intended. Um, and so, but, but for the shooters, you know, if we share information about how we've achieved what we have and so that others can try that, either discard it or keep it, um, the science becomes more factual than it does more, you know, book learning um, supposition about what will happen if this happens. We need really verifiable data that, that actually works. And the only way we'll get that is if we share what we're doing. Exactly. Yes. Well, um, I know we've, it seems like we just got on the air and we've got about two minutes left. Uh, I want to remind our listeners that your website is www.longrangehunting.com. That correct? That's correct. Okay. So uh, in, in just a few minutes, tell us what you want all our listeners to remember about you and your website. Well, we have a very friendly group of, of members who are very giving and sharing in their knowledge 
and newcomers, newbies, always feel comfortable on our website that they're going to learn things, that they can ask questions and, and not be looked down at on because their questions are from newbies. And uh, there's just an awful lot of uh, knowledge on the website today, as, as is true on other websites and on the TV programs. It's just amazing how much education is out there. The, the video education on Frank Galley's Sniper's Hide site, the, the, the video education on uh, Best of the West and Gunworks websites and uh, others like that, Bob Beck's um, Extreme Outer Limits show, the video education there. And I don't even mean just the shows, but I mean video snippets on how to do something specific having to do with shooting and, and accuracy. It's, it's just incredible all the assets that are out there for us all today. Well, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to want to check out your website. Again, that's longrangehunting.com. Lynn, I really want to thank you for being with us. It's been a great show, and as usual, we didn't have enough time to cover everything I wanted to, but I am going to ask you to come back and spend more time with me at some time in the future. You bet. Very nice. Thanks to again. To be thanks on again for show. being with us. Yep. It was a pleasure having you. And uh, I'm going to ask our listeners to stay tuned during this brief commercial break. We'll be right back with our next guest. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. For over 40 years, Macmillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gunstock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, that first portion of the show was terrific. I really love Lynn. He's just such a good guy. Their website is really awesome. Once again, I want to let you know it's www.longrangehunting.com. Please do yourself a favor, check it out, and uh, if you have any passion for long-range hunting or shooting in general, uh, the amount of knowledge that's shared there is really awesome. And that brings me to our next guest. He's been around as long as Lynn has, and, and he's done basically the same thing. Frank Galley is a former Marine. Um, he, he started a, a website forum called Sniper's Hide. Uh, we got involved right away because we saw the value of the people that were posting on that forum and the knowledge that was being shared there, and it's been instrumental to us. And a little later uh, in the show, I'll share a little bit about how important Sniper's Hide has been to us. But but right now, I want to introduce Frank Galley. Frank, thanks for being here with us. Thanks, Kelly. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit uh, of uh, backtracking for us. If you would, um, talk a little bit about uh, your history before Snipers Hide and before you and I met. Um, give us a little bit of information about your time in, in the Marines, and if there's anything pertinent before that time, let us uh, kind of get to know you a little bit. Sure. Um, as you said, I was in the Marine Corps, and right away I went to Scout Sniper School. I kind of fell into it and attended as a PFC, which at the time was really rare, and went through that and happened to deploy in the Mideast uh, for uh, not so much the Persian Gulf, but the Iran-Iraq War. We had a small contingent there. I participated in that, and then when I got out, I was a private investigator and doing some due diligence and things like that and working on the computer, decided to start the website uh, with Sniper's Hide, and that was my way of sort of getting back into precision rifle shooting after having been out of the Marine Corps for so long. So it, it was a way to return to those roots um, and, and to connect with other like-minded people uh, from my office. Uh, I live back east in Connecticut, so not a lot of shooting going on there. And, and, and the computer was a window back into it. Well, night uh, 2000, was a long time ago, and, and I will tell you how long ago that was for us. We didn't get computers in our office until 1996, and I think probably by 2000, we were kind of still in the dark ages as far as the Internet is concerned. Uh, I'm surprised that you had the, the foresight to think a forum could become what it's become today. It, it, it was sort of dumb luck, and exactly like Len said previously, that, you know, if you thought about it when you saw it happening, it's a bit too late. And there were some very minor sort of message boards happening at the time, and as soon as you'd get 10 people on, the board would crash. And so a lot of us sat around and said, well, gee, if we can do this better so we can continue a conversation, uh, you know, I think this would be a good thing. So it was one of those, hey, start your own website. And, and that's what I did, and, and I created the forum. Uh, the first Sniper's Hide was just one of those straight-line message boards, almost like the old Sniper Country site, where it was just one long, continuous conversation. 
And then early in 2001, I stumbled across uh, some more uh, organized form software, and, and that helped me, you know, kind of bring everything together. And, and I really look at Sniper's Hide the way it is today as starting in 2001, but the idea came about in 2000. You're right. Hey, Frank Zev here. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm, I'm really happy to have you on. And uh, a quick note about snipers in general. I think your MOS is 8541. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So uh, here I was. I, I owned a, uh, a tour company in Scottsdale, and we were the first guys to bring something different than a 22-wheel gun to shoot at cans. We brought AR-15s and Glock 17s to the mix. And you know, the, the convention and visitors bureaus were a little leery in the beginning, but then they let us go on. And as a result of that, I had some contacts within the Bureau of Land Management for land access. Long story short, a fellow who owns the range out here that everybody uh, likes to use uh, to do a little more high-speed stuff. It's called Cowtown. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Yes, I have. Oh, okay. Well, the owner, Richard Shaw, uh, and I met uh, through the uh, permitting process of land, and he saw that I had an interest in, in firearms, and he said, you know, we, we have a, a company out here called SniperSchool.com, and they have an opening on one of their classes, would you like to attend? And it was a five-day sniper course, and I was with folks who had been in the Corps, uh, not as 8541s, but they were spinning up to go overseas as contractors, a uh, couple of SWAT guys. Anyways, long story short, before the course, I walked into a, uh, an, an auto supply store to buy a high-center jack, and I was talking to the fellow there. His name is Rob Pedersen, who's now the training facilitator over at Strategic Armory Corps. And Rob said, I said to him, what else do you do other than here? And he's like, oh, I'm a sniper instructor. And I'm like, sure you are. And I didn't know what that 308 dangling from his necklace meant. Well, sure enough, when I get to sniper school, uh, he was my instructor. So I have the, the most regard for you guys, the way I was trained. You know, in just those five days, obviously, you guys go through several months. But I learned the, the succinct and very specific types of, uh, of ways you do things. So it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. It's funny, the hog's tooth you mentioned, that's what the, the bullet around your neck, they call it the hog's tooth. And, uh -huh. um, hog, a hunter of gunmen. And I, my class actually predated the hog's tooth. We got a ceramic skull with the bullet in the forehead. Uh, one of the guy's <laughs> wives made a, a ceramic skull that I think might have even been a lamp. And they just put the 762 round in, in the forehead. And, and then everybody, you know, didn't do the ceramic anymore. And they started doing the tooth on the necklace. So, oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. You got to be a real man to wear that one, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ceramic skull, yeah, carried around on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I want to ask you, Frank, did you do the programming and the IT work on your initial site, the one that you claim was just like a message board, and then the transition to the, the new software, did you actually do that yourself? Yes, I do everything. Um, I taught myself front page at the time. Uh, Microsoft front page was the software I used. And, um, you know, I do buy some, you know, off-the-shelf software, but it always gets tweaked, and, and I just teach myself, how, you know, what's the next thing. Every now and then I'll hire somebody to, to give me a hand if it, if it looks like it's going to be over my head. But the majority work is all done by me. Well, I'm even more impressed with you now than ever before because that was something that, uh, you know, Zev told a little story. I don't know if you were on at the time, but that I 
I was so smart, I de- um, uninstalled and then reinstalled Skype to solve a problem. And that's the extent of my success with with the computer of any kind. Um, I employ about a 15-man uh, IT firm to keep track of all of my computers and everything that we have here so that I can do business, and I can't do a thing. So I, I really have a lot of respect for you. Well, I appreciate that. It must be the, the sniper patience thing that, that I just have the patience to sit line by line through it and, and kind of teach myself what's going on, you know, the adapt, improvise, overcome. You know, that's a really good um, thought, and it never crossed my mind that that might be what I lack because I don't think I could either be a sniper or an IT guy. So maybe it's the lack of patience that <laughs> makes me feel that way. Now, I think it was about 2002, if I look back at my history, um, Macmillan Fiberglass Stocks had a really intimate relationship with uh, the members of Sniper Hide, and it was a really enjoyable experience for me, and I think one of the things that what made it such a successful um, undertaking was that everybody that participated and was involved felt like they were invested in the final outcome of it. And uh, that only happens when you have people who really care, who are interested in really disseminating good, solid information. I know because I've been around your site for so many years that your members don't tolerate wannabes who who haven't really done anything very long. It doesn't take long for someone who obviously hasn't done what they say they've done to be found out and uh, called out for it. It's true. I mean, number one, my, my members are loyal. And they followed me around. They, they, you know, they, they really have a passion for precision rifle. And when a manufacturer like yourself comes into our forums, they love that. They embrace it. They, they want to be part of the entire world, the shooting industry. And yes, we don't suffer fools, and, and we've taken some heat for it at times because we, you know, we will call you out. It, it's one of those things we'll do. If something flags, they, they kind of get into Google and start looking up things, and if it's not right, they're, they're quick to get rid of them. And I, I do appreciate that. It's, you know, it, it's one of those things. If, if you're a truck driver in the Marine Corps, be a truck driver. We need a truck driver. You know, you don't have to tell me you did something you didn't. Uh, it, it, it's not that big a deal. But well, I when think we did everybody... The project, oh, I'm sorry, ahead. Frank, go ahead. I was just going to say... When we did the I, 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 project with you, I mean, that was a, that's a crown jewel of Sniper's Hide history to this day. There, there's, you know, only been a couple really big highlights like that, and, and, and working with McMillan uh, stocks is definitely one of the top, you know, couple that I can think of. Well, that was the story that I want to share, and I'm going to do it real briefly because I don't want to take too much up of your time. We're here to talk about you, but I think it's pertinent because Sniper's Hide was invaluable to Macmillan Fiberglass Stocks. Um, I wanted to make the very best uh, Sniper stock on the market, uh, a tactical stock. You know, we had designed the M40A1, transitioned through the A2 uh to the A3, and then finally the Marine Corps adopted the A4. Now, to be perfectly honest, only the people who had actually carried an M40A3 or an M40A5 that had that stock on it 
had any love for it because it was big, ugly, blocky. It, it did what it was supposed to do, but, but we felt like there was something better out there and we just needed to figure out what it was. So I came to Sniper's Hide and asked for everybody who wanted to participate, tell me what they wanted in a stock. And then I compiled after several months of listening and, and talking about and giving them my perspective on what their ideas were, because not every idea that you think about is a practical application when you come to molding or manufacturing something. Um, but we came up with the A5. And just so that you know, Frank, and, and you probably know without having been told, but the A5 is the most successful synthetic stock ever produced in the world. Um, not only have we made more A5 stocks than any other stock and probably any three stocks combined uh, since 2003 when we came out with it, but every one of my competitors has something very similar to it or almost an exact copy because people demand that style. And that is something that I only could have come up with with the the input from the guys at Sniper Hide and the people who had actually been out there and done it and had a real feel for what was necessary. And I never hesitate to tell people that the, that the guys at Sniper Hide are the reason that that A5 is so successful. Uh, I remember the initial conversation because I came from the A1 world and thought the A5 was big and heavy. Uh, as you guys know, but your audience doesn't, I'm a much smaller guy. Um, I'm half of the height of Kelly McMillan. Um, and so the A4 was a little too big for me. And so we wanted to, to slim it down a little bit and, and transition some things. And, and we talked about this at length, and, and you stepped right up. You, you took that input and made that stock. And then we went with George Gardner, GA Precision, in the first Sniper's Hide Rifle, was built specifically around the A5 stock. Everything else was secondary with that rifle, um, and that was a GA precision rifle. We called it the Headhunter, uh, you know, throwback to the Marine Corps, and it just focused on the A5, and then the rest came together around it. Well, in the initial uh, production of the first uh, dozen or so, uh, I invited a number of Sniper's Hides members to participate in the evaluation so I sent them stocks out and I think that of of all of it was probably the most valuable because all of your members trusted what these guys had said because they know who they were they know what they had been through and, and what they had done and so when the evaluations came in positive people said okay then I'm I'm good with this I can go ahead and buy one and it made it a success right away. Usually when we come out with a stock, it may be six months before we sell three stocks because we have to do a certain amount of marketing and advertising on that particular stock before people even know what it is. And that was all done, one, through Sniper's Hide during the, uh, the development process and then for another three months in the, um, the demonstration of how it actually works, how it holds up, and whether it was exactly what they wanted it to be. And that was a really big plus for us. Like I said, you made the members feel like they were part of McMillan. And, it, you know, you, you can't buy that, uh, that kind of loyalty. And, and my members are definitely very technical. And at the time, the forum was so intimate. I think we might have had 2,500 members. Uh, so, like you said, they trusted 
when someone said something and we made sure the right people got the stock, uh, they trusted their opinions on it. And I know to this day, um, one of the guys who was from New York had now moved to Arizona. He's still running that original prototype stock that you sent him, and that's still one of his prized rifles to this day. And Frank, you know, uh, working with Kelly uh, as often as, as I'm able to, I notice that that's the way he, he works in any project. And that's going to bring up a, another topic that I think is near and dear to all our hearts, which is, uh, you know, extreme long-range shooting and uh, where you see that going and, and your involvement and so on. Um, I know we have the beast that uh, Kelly designed in order to uh, place actions on. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to work at the uh, King of the Two Mile. But tell us a little bit about your involvement and, and where you see the sport going. Yeah, ELR is definitely a, a, an emerging segment of the sport. Uh, I've been doing it for quite a while. I've gone to gun sites, the XLR course, four times over the years. I've held um, my own courses. Uh, yesterday I talked to Brian Litz about what... Uh, Applied Ballistics is going to be doing uh, to promote it, and, and we had a conversation to bounce some ideas off of, of where his head's at with, with regards to ELR. But it's definitely one of the up-and-coming uh, niches of this market, and, and I'm fully involved in what's going on with that. Um, my private range that I use, um, I have targets every 100 yards to a mile for my um, firing line. I can back up another, you know, 1,500 yards. I think I can get just about 3,800 yards on my private range uh, without much drama, and there's no one out there. And so I shoot probably to a mile as often as I can. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, have you considered coming out to the King of Two Miles? Is that something you might be interested in doing in June? And, uh, you know, might we see you there? Yes, I've... um, I've known about it since the beginning. Uh, like last year, it conflicted with the Sniper's Hide Cup. I was in Washington when um, the King of Two Miles took place. And, and the year before, it was still a little early in it and, and things like that. And, and like I said, my summer schedule tends to get a little busy with classes. But um, definitely, I'm going to try to get down there. I don't know if I'm going to shoot it yet, but I'm probably going to be down there as a more of a reporter for Sniper's Hide and to, you know, to lend any kind of support that I can. But uh, it, it's, it's a good venue. I, I mean, Raton is nice for that. Uh, and I'm going to see what I can do to help them to maybe get some more steel packages out that way because I do have some steel on my range that probably could be brought down to Raton. I'm only three and a half hours away. Oh, so, okay. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I think hanging the steel is also quite a challenge. Looking at some of the pictures of the guys, you know, kind of stretching off the, uh, the cliff faces. So that should be fun as well. It's deceiving down there because, of, as you guys know, it, it, all those uh, rocky backdrops in the mountains and things, so I know he has to put some things like hanging off the cliff. Right. So it, it, it's a bit deceiving when you go to Raton because you see all the manicured ranges and you kind of come in, but when you're driving around and coming into the range, the ELR stuff is on that, that fringe, and, and the fringe is pretty rough territory. Hey, Frank, we've been talking about competition and extreme long-range competition. Uh, I know you're involved in supporting other types of competition, PRS in particular. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you uh, support the sport and, and, and what's going on with that? Sure. Um, the Precision Rifle Series kind of grew out of Sniper's Hide as well. 
And um, what it was is the Sniper Side Cup, our, our sort of flagship competition, has been the continuous precision rifle match since 2002, 2003. We've had it every year. Started off down in Texas at Rifles Only. We've had it out here in Colorado. We've had it in uh, Wyoming. And then the last year, it was in Washington. It's a PRS event. Um, so we, we support it through that. Uh, we host some of the stuff on the website. Um, we have a, a pretty robust uh, competition match section, and you'll get a lot of companies that will promote their competition on our website. And that way you could say, hey, there's one here, there's one there. And this year the, um, the PRS is going to have 38 sanctioned matches, uh, which is big. And they're also supporting club series because as ELR is getting very big, I think the local match series is becoming just as big on the other side. We're seeing more and more monthly series popping up in little states and areas. Um, I know you guys have a, a robust uh, competition area with our, uh, Tim and Regina Milkovich. Correct. Uh, they host stuff in, in, at their range there. And so that's all part of this PRS family. And, and you know, we support it as we can and, and go to the different matches. And I try to shoot George Gardner's uh, Gap Grind, the Pro-Am, uh, where I'm a pro shooter and, and we host an amateur with us. So we shoot together and I kind of take them through the stages. Um, that's always fun to bring a new shooter in and kind of walk them through what's going on and they get to see it. And then when they're done shooting their stage, they watch us do it. So it, that, that's a great event that, that George puts on. And um, the PRS is just becoming the de facto series for precision rifle competition. Hey, Frank, one of the things that we haven't done is we haven't told our listeners how to get to Sniper's Hide. Why don't you do that for us? Sure. It's just www.snipershide.com. And if you want to go into the forums, that's where a lot of the activity goes on. You could just do forum.snipershide.com, and that'll get you there. I want to make sure that my listeners understand uh, that everybody is welcome. Uh, I didn't want to scare anybody off by talking about how you call people out that don't know anything. And, and I'm not talking about the general guy who's new to this, who wants to learn. We're talking about people uh, who are guilty of stolen valor and trying to make people believe there's something that they aren't and claiming they've done things that, that isn't true. And so I want the listeners to know Please check out Sniper's Hide. Don't be afraid to get on the forum. Sign in. Just beware that these guys know their stuff. And, and if, you, uh, if you're not honest, they'll call you on it. So, uh, but I, I wanted them to know that, that we, we're not trying to discourage anybody. As a matter of fact, I would encourage anybody who is interested in long-range uh, shooting, PRS matches, uh, even living vicariously through other people that you know have had experiences that you've only seen on TV or something like that. Sniper's Hide is a great place to hang out. Yeah, it, it, the name's deceiving. We're more precision rifle oriented for you know shooting steel competition, things like that. Uh, I mean, one example is you know we had a hand in the Ruger precision rifle, and we have huge conversations going on, pages and pages of people talking about the Ruger precision rifle. And, and, you know, so this is something that new shooters are getting into, the savages, the different things. It's not 
you have to be a sniper, you have to be a police officer, you have to be in the military. It's for the target shooter. It's for the, the guy who goes out on the weekend. It's for the competition shooter. So it, it, the, the name does deceive a little bit. Well, Frank, I'm sorry we're out of time, but I want to thank you personally for everything you've done for the firearms industry, uh, all the things that you get involved with, and, and Sniper's Hide has been such an amazing resource for so many people, including myself and McMillan Fiberglass Stocks. I want to thank you for that. Also, thank you for being on the show. You've been a great guest, and definitely look forward to when I can have you back on. Sure. I appreciate it, and, and thank you very much. This is a great opportunity. Have You're a great welcome. weekend, man. You too. Uh, Once again, we come to the end of another great show. Uh, I want to thank all of my listeners for spending your very valuable time with us. Have a great weekend, and we'll all see you back here on VoiceAmerica.com Sports Channel for another session of Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week.